Oi, sluts and slags. Oi. It is November, and we (laughs) are kicking off a new series around family. And if you winced, then this is the show for you. Welcome to another episode of QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. I am wetter than Jerry sitting next to that Culkin boy in that one room, licensed social worker and therapist practicing in Austin, Texas, Maddie Germs. And I'm Maddie Germs' sister from another Mr. Shawnee, (laughs) a former New York City-based therapist turned media entertainment badass based here in Portland, Oregon. We might be therapists. But we are not your therapists. Okay. Okay. How many times do we have to say it? I just stop asking. Talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> Oi. Oi, mister. You me sister. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Listen. Good. good, good, good. Welcome back. Happy new month. We survived. Oh my God, months. it's November. You're right. Yes. We're here. So, somehow we made it through October. Um, every year, every year I wonder how it's going to happen. And it, here we are. Um, day by how day, you doing? baby. I'm pretty solid, you know, um, had my birthday weekend mm-hmm. this past weekend. How was that? I It was wonderful. I've never <laughs> experienced a better birthday. I turned 30. I'm like dealing with my age. Oh and... my gosh. Yeah. Damn. Um, Welcome to the new era. I know. I feel like I need to do something drastic to represent it and i'm also scared of what that is because i've done a lot of drastic things in the last four months so i'm like what (laughs) are you cooking up there girl (laughs) maybe the drastic thing is not doing anything drastic (sighs) oh 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 (laughs) switch it up switch Um, it up which speaking of switching it up um you texted me earlier this week telling me to watch hbo's adult material i did wow what, what a, a journey. Ride. Yeah. What was... a ride. Which we're <laughs> talking know? about two shows today, thinking about the family concepts within these shows um, and how they showcase family, but also just catching you up on some good ass TV. Yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you have not watched adult material on HBO Max, go watch it. It's a four part mini series. It's, uh, it originally premiered on Channel 4, which is a channel, a channel in the UK, but also you get Channel 4, I'm sure, on your television here in the US. But yeah, it, it came out in 2020. So like, we're a little, we're new to the show that has been out for a second as well. But it's essentially the show about Haley, who plays this. I, I almost said age. She's not age. She's like 34 or something like that. Yeah. This porn star who's been in the business and she's like, think of her like one of the, um, what are those twins that are like? Tia and Tamara. No, no. Um, the the slutty twins. They're like, oh, um, cock destroyers. Think of her. She's like famous mm. like that. She's like a porn star who's also famous a little bit outside of the porn industry. And her porn and name then, is Jolene Dollar. Jolene Dollar. It absolutely is. And um, the story sort of resides around what happens when this new girl comes in, um, played by Sienna Kelly. And this over four episodes we watch someone go from like feeling a lot of ownership within this sex industry and then kind of spat back out by it and like coming back around to it a little bit again what were your initial feelings when you watch it why did you tell me to watch it um you know because it just it struck me okay first 
we were texting about this, but first and foremost, I find the porn industry to be just like really intriguing. Like, and it has less to do with like sex and nudity and more to do with like this just gray area and very thin line, which I think the series explores uh, between reality and like fantasy and like what's real, what's not. Like, <clears throat> the show aside, like, I think this this intrigue with the porn industry first like occurred when I was in high school and I think learned in high school that like, oh, there's straight guys that do gay porn and it's just because they get paid more <laughs> like to do gay porn. What? What am I watching? Like, are all these just straight men that like are queer baiting me? Which they are. I mean, they're probably just bi. Or that. But e- either way, I just found that like the, the topic of the industry to be interesting. And I feel yeah. like this show does a good job of talking about that mystique but also and about like what happens you know behind the curtain you know how do you address sexual harassment or mm-hmm. consent um when it comes to the adult porn industry yeah. um but also done with like I, this is i've learned that it's weird i found it weird to say this because it shouldn't matter but i guess i notice it but there's like a feminine there's a feminine touch to it right like it was this is like a woman created directed produced series yeah and i think that like you can tell like none of the none of the sex scenes are gratuitous like everything is there for a reason um and i feel like i learned this taking some film class once upon a time but like there should be a reason for every shot, right? Like there should always be like that shot is there for a reason to establish character development, to establish the plot, like something. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have just found in a lot of, I'll say like male or man versus woman produced pieces of media, all the male stuff seems very gratuitous. Like it's there for no reason. I'm like, I don't need the sex scene to like understand what's going on here. Or I don't need like the nudity to like get it. Um, and sure, I feel like this series was... Not like it wasn't turning a blind eye to that because it's about porn, but like that if they were showing that it was there for a reason, not just there to be there. Right. I feel like what you're talking to is that the show is intentionally challenging the male gaze, like and there it does go. that because it's a uh, a woman run show. Um, I think it's about really about women's experiences in the sex industry um, and what that means for these women in this industry. Um, Part of, I think, some of the redemptive arc is around their own discovery of being able to produce themselves, like especially towards the end where they're able to like move away from this sort of male run, typical way porn has been distributed and made, which is by like sleazy dudes who always side with sleazy dudes who protect sleazy dudes because protecting the industry and the money is more important than protecting the women in it. Um, and I think this that's what the series is about. Um, one thing that I really like about it is the fact that like you see her in all her fabulousness kind of getting like, you know, we're introduced to her like getting fucked from behind and she's like reading off a grocery list and like imagining doing the laundry and all that stuff. And then we see her go home to, you know, a very in quotes, typical family. And so there's a, a lot of exploration around what it means to hold some like, um challenge and balance to what it means to be like this kind of suburban mom who also is like famously known for her adult film work and i would think it's like you know maybe like what like pamela 
Anderson's kids sort of went through or something like that. Like that's mm-hmm. sort of the lens that I think it takes a little bit, but um, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. I think that we watched this woman go through hell and I think we really expose also we get to see what it's like for folks to think that they have family. Like, I think the most betraying part of it is that like, she is talking about men in her life that she thought had her back and just like over and over and over do not. And like how traumatizing alone that is. And like, I also want to say that all of this stuff is held. It doesn't feel, I don't know. I could be wrong. It doesn't feel like, you know, super salacious to me like it deals with trauma in this way that i think allows it to be absorbed Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly the thing that i could not absorb was the rosebud thing that was truly just like where my like shawnee i texted shawnee and i was like i literally had to get up out of the room they don't even show it like like it's not shown it's not gratuitous it's not salacious and truly i had to like get up out of the room (laughs) speaking of getting up out of the room um Secession came back, and I feel like I don't know where you stand on Secession on HBO. We're just this is just going to be about HBO Max shows, I guess. Yes, um, I like it. I was not someone who was like fully gripped in season one. I think I had to like try it a few times, mm-hmm. um, especially because I was like, "Are oh, we really right. all like going up in arms about a show about the one percent? Like, who's Absolutely. essentially like Fox News?" Um, but the more you dive in, it's hard to look away. And exactly. it's, it's fun. It's fun. Well, I'm really it's glad not it's even, back. It's not even the pool, at least for me. For me, it's not the pool of it being the 1%. It's the pool of it talking about a family within that owns a good chunk of an industry that, like, I just naturally am like, ooh, media, like, entertainment. Like, I just care about how all of that works. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. Like, the 1% thing is there because I feel like it was brought up with... Um, What's it called? White Lotus and a bunch of other HBO Max shows. I feel like the, the argument has been painted that like a lot of HBO shows tend to be about the 1%. I mm-hmm. think that for Secession, if anything, yes, it's the one that's the most sort of like, this is a show about people that are way more wealthy than you will probably ever be and could ever imagine being. And but, also a type of evil that you don't like. Right. Yeah. That There's you, no one to root for in that show. Yeah, but I mean, but at the same time, I find myself rooting for Siobhan. Siobhan? Of course, Siobhan. We yeah. want Shiv to win. Uh, and also, I just, I just love her name and the way that it's spelled. I'm like, yeah, can I be Is Irish or something? Yeah, sure. I, um, yeah, Team Shiv. I am hopeful in this war that is going all out in this that she either goes to the kids' side or plays them both, and that's. So we even mm. get a cliffhanger on like which side she ends up on, you know? Yeah. But like, it's going to go to her regardless. I can even do that. I hope so. I want her to, I want her to ruin everyone around her. Like, <laughs> Same. really, I just want to watch that old man like die and be humiliated. Like as much as it is t- funny to watch him like, watch him his son's like can i get a ride with you he's like you're gonna suck my dick in here like he's just like (laughs) not a good dude you know and um, yeah i don't know i find i still am like it's hilarious watching these people fawn around him and try and get and be afraid of him try and get on his good graces it's interesting to watch strategy i will fully admit that sometimes i am so out of 
understanding of what business is <laughs> that like mm. there's times where i'm watching that show and i'm like is any of that real? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the judges, y'all made that up. That's not a thing like, that exists. <laughs> exactly. Like some show like an ER and being like, I just attached the combubular to the dabalobber. And like, I, I, the same thing happens when they're talking about like acquisitions and like all yeah. that, every, all the contract stuff. I'm just like, I think y'all made that up. <laughs> it all seems pretty accurate. I don't know. And I mean, it's probably easy as well. Like. I'm sure they just literally looked at the the board of like HBO and they're like, oh, look, here's our show. Wow. <laughs> like, it was just that simple. Uh, and I mean, it, for those who've never started it, it's essentially like about like the Murdoch family, the like Fox News family. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it has this sort of like veep kind of mm-hmm. quick, mean spirited humor to it. Yeah. But its humor is not as like, but I'm. At, with it you know like it allows itself to like kind of even have dramatic music underneath a very hilarious thing that just happened you know? yeah like it's a confusing the whole ride is like am i supposed to laugh at this am i supposed to empathize with this am i supposed to like cheer for this am i so that you turn it off thinking like who am i <laughs> <laughs> who am i yeah who am i and everything has or is the answer. <laughs> okay listen um and everything has stakes attached to it, which is what I like. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's that humor, but, like, somebody made a funny quip, but that funny quip actually has, like, consequences and, like, things attached to it versus, yeah. you know, the half the time she would say something and maybe it was done in public and therefore, like, is attached to the next episode. And then yeah. half the time it would be, like, she just said something funny, nobody heard it. Or somebody heard it but didn't actually, like, turn into anything. Right. It's very much so a show where, like every scene sort of matters and the decision everybody makes in each scene sort of has a ripple effect on everybody else. And therefore the stakes are just always high, you know, like there's always, there's always millions and billions of dollars at stake. So you're just like, Ooh, like what's And they're all lying to each other. Like no one is saying what they mean until it's like the season finale when they finally yell what they mean or something. Yeah. But like, I feel like last season was the first time Shib and her husband were like suddenly like at, odds and we're like yeah. lying to each other and it was like oh shit like i thought y'all were unbreakable yeah this whole thing is like as people make decisions for money and legacy what does that mean for all of your interpersonal relationships i mean it's about this dad who like forgets he has one son often <laughs> like <laughs> uh, hates all of them in their own way and like these kids still clamor mm-hmm. for his attention and love it's wild to watch (laughs) i think it's a great jumping off launching point for what we're going to be discussing which is family family dynamics attachment theory relationships all of it i mean shall we shall we get into it let's go to the show We're back to do some work, um, and because we are in November and we're in the spirit of, I don't know, the spirit of Thanksgiving, I guess. Maybe that's a thing some of y'all are into. <laughs> um, regardless of the holiday that you, that you may or may not support this month, we do know that as we start winding down for the year, um, we're in November, two months left in the year. At some point, you are probably going to have to come in contact with your family. 
<sighs> I know. I know. I mean, Let for some of y'all, you were probably like, yes. And for some of y'all, you were like, most of you were <laughs> probably like, oh. No matter which camp you're on, you know, just pull your shoulders back, roll them yeah. down, take a deep breath. Well, let's Cause, go in. Because we're going to do this. We're going to, we are going to tackle family dynamics, attachment theory, um, and how all of that sort of plays into your interpersonal relationships this month in November. So, yeah, not um, all today. We're, not all today. No, no, no. We're saying, do you, how do you feel about this? How do you think about this? Let's talk yeah. about this. It's, like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, very that. Like, you know. And, you know, we know that this can be touchy. I mean, family, especially parents. I mean, if there is one foundational piece of psychology that I don't think you can get around, like, and I, I feel like I have come into contact with most like modes of therapy. Your mm-hmm. family and your parents have, have something to do, yeah. <laughs> something to do with who you are today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to give ourselves the grace, the space um, to, to process these things and to be gentle with ourselves. Because again, your family and your parents are part of the foundation of who you are. So we're not here to like shake everything up in like one episode and have you yeah. like, you know, distraught for a week or two. The idea here is to just to look at um, to start looking at things in your life through the lens of family, um, yeah. through the lens of your parents, and for us to examine that and poke and prod a little bit, which is what we always do. We're not going to leave you out there to just you know explore things on your own. <laughs> and I think thinking about the different ways that family is built and the ways that families are made and the different types and configurations, etc. Um, and as well as like the different types of caretakers and and where those things that may not just be our biological parents, how they influence us. And what do we do now to create family to make us feel good? And avoiding a little bit religion, because we've talked about that a we've lot. I feel like that, we talk yeah. a lot about like our Christian upbringing. The South too, I think we're going to try and focus on some different things today. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we are going to cover religion elsewhere as another topic for a full month and some change. So we are definitely going to keep the focus on everything but that. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about family. Like what does family when you hear family, Maddie, what comes to mind? I'm not looking for a definition. I don't think we need yeah. to be clinical about that. I think people know have everybody has their own sort of definition of what a family is to them. What does sure. it mean for you? I always think about who's asking me that question. I think if it's someone like um, that I don't know super well, I am assuming that they're talking about like my family of origin. And uh, I often talk about my sibling when I, so I talk about Steven when that comes up um, and that's what's asked of me. And I feel like if it's someone that I also want to get to know, I will often talk about folks in Portland and then also say, and my brother lives here too. Like that's like kind of how I like open up that conversation because for me, I think that my parents have not made the um, most helpful decisions for connection. And I'm like, Parent and family is uh, an earned title for me. Um, so I think about I think about mutual respect. I think about um, care, and I think about um, accountability when I think about family. Mm. What about you? 
I mean, I love that you said that because what stood out to me is an argument that I have painted with my family um, and with my mother specifically. I mean, literally just like last week, family, just like any relationship is a two-way street, right? Like it's not a one-sided thing. It's not one person or one party puts in more effort than the other. It has to be something where you meet in the middle a lot of times. There has to be compromise. There has to be understanding. There has to be a give and a take on both ends constantly. It's not something mm-hmm. you're ever just like done working on. Um, so that's what, comes, that's what comes to mind for me. I think that, you know, I obviously have a different upbringing than you and was... I feel like with both of my parents, my both of my biological parents had a relationship with both together, uh, both separately. Um, and then I have this extended family that I probably don't talk as much about on this podcast, but um, a family that's that's more than just me and my biological dad or even my mom and my stepdad. Um, I'm an only child. So a lot of times I tend to only talk about my parents because there's not really anybody else that I feel that extremely close to in my family that I would yeah. consider like a sibling. Yeah. Um, but I have tons of cousins, like a lot of cousins. I have like my favorite cousins. I have aunts. I have uncles um, that um, for me, a lot of times if I, or to say there are people that I consider my siblings, it is probably my aunts and uncles just because I was, I think I'm one of the oldest like born children um, in our family of this generation. So therefore I spent a lot of time with my aunts and uncles um, at a young age when they were younger and like I was a kid. So to me, they're a lot, they're, they're pretty much my like brothers and sisters yeah. when really they're my, my parents or my parents, my mom's like brothers and sisters. But I get that. I, get I that. guess when I think of family, there's like the core and there's like the, the extended family that just sort of starts to ripple out. Yeah. Depending on, you know, their association with my mom or my biological dad. And it's weird too, because like when you're talking about extended family, I'm like thinking about that too. And there's certain, it just, it kind of just depended on whose house we were at. Like some houses I was down for and others I was like, oh my God, get me out of here. Like, (laughs) get me out of here, man. Like, um, and I think part of that is, I feel like the people I am closest to are also the cousins that come around once every six years. Like Mm -hmm. they were always my favorite people and so i like um i don't know i guess i just like it's funny being now the cousin that comes around every five or six years because like i'm like oh i've actually seen one of those cousins before i have seen some of the inner circle whatever and definitely in a kind way um before before then and i just like i think it's interesting the ways in which that also to me is about choice like it's about choosing who you want to spend time with and like obviously that's harder when um you don't really have choice in where you spend holidays or whatever but um and who's going to be there's who's going to be there you can't uninvite someone i guess but like some of y'all should <laughs> like, some of you should right some of y'all should <laughs> i mean speaking of the holidays <clears throat> where where does Thanksgiving, where does Christmas, because I mean, I know you, I assume your family celebrates both of those things. Yeah. Um. So for me, 
I think one of my like biggest sins against my family is uh, especially like my parents is that I have not been around them for Christmas in several years. That is like uh-huh. the biggest sin that I could do is like, but honestly, I don't, I don't give a fuck about Christmas. It is not my thing. I don't like that holiday very yeah. much. I like it's boring and weird. And like, it, it's like, we love Jesus. Let's buy stuff. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, traditionally though, my granny would come to our house and spend the night. And then we would go up to where my parents are from um, and then travel a bunch of houses. And that happens sometimes around Thanksgiving too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of, Honestly, it's one of the reasons that I don't always love holidays is because like we did the same thing every year and it felt like fucking deja vu. And I was like, y'all find comfort in this. And it like makes me want to jump out a window. Like I don't (laughs) understand why we are doing this. Like I just don't Mm -hmm. get it. Like I truly don't get it. I don't feel connected to any of these people in a way that not any, most of these people, I don't feel loved by these people. And I keep saying these people because really the people that are, are like a few of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just like, it's weird. In my adulthood, um, we've done some like meetings that are not my home. So like, I've been like, I will meet you in another state and we can celebrate a holiday there together because we're talking about a trip. It like adds something else to it. Um, And then now I'm just negotiating with like, I mean, I, my friends are my family. Like I, when I think of like someone's, someone else's sibling, I think of that as my cousin, you know what I mean? Like, or Mm. I treat that person in that way that we would I like if i'm moving to a new city and someone's like so and so and so and so that i'm really close with needs this like that to me is like a family alarm bell of like oh yeah we got to take care of each other right because i know what it's like to not want to see a relative in a city you go to you know what i mean yeah was the was that um disconnect with the holidays did that happen was that like always there or was it sort of family influence? I think I have not done the self-exploration to know. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, because obviously not all of it is terrible. I obviously have some good memories of holidays and there's mm-hmm. just like something. Yeah. I, I think I found them stressful. I think is really just what it is. It's like, it was just anxiety inducing all the traveling and moving around and like, yeah, I don't know. But what about you? I feel like, did you have like a house you always go to and they still go to? Oh, yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older, it's kind of been, I'm not going to say, no, yeah, it's been a bit sad. Um, But like when I was younger, it was my grandmother's house. Like that's where we constantly met, where we always went for Thanksgiving and Christmas or one or the other, should I say, on my mom's Mm -hmm. side. Um, And still do to a degree. She's her house. She now lives with my uncle. Um, their house is now still like a meeting spot. It's still sort of still sort of like the central go-to whenever we're celebrating something. But I feel as though everybody going or me seeing like all of my aunts and uncles plus their kids in one place, like that has happened less and less as the years have gone on, which um, you know, speaking of I don't remember when we were talking about the fear of death and aging. But um, back when we were talking about that, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago. Um, A lot of that comes from getting older and seeing that like, oh, 
these are conscious decisions that my parents made and that my mm-hmm. aunts and uncles made to like all come to this house mm-hmm. to celebrate this holiday. And as we're all getting older, whether it's difficult for people to like travel or whether it's the fact that like us as children, we're all adults now and it's more difficult to get us all under the same roof or on the same schedule. Yeah. I've started to, I don't know, I guess like peek behind that curtain of like, huh, this was all a very like highly coordinated dance that people were doing when I was a kid for whatever reason to uphold this tradition or to uphold whatever um, the holidays tell us to value like during those times. Um, Now's the bad order I've been... hmm. Well, I mean, if you're valuing time with people that you like or care about, but you don't get to see that often... That is precious, precious time. That is wonderful. That it's like absolutely something to celebrate. I agree 100%. Like that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but I also get the sense that, um, again, the older you get, the more you also are like, oh, so-and-so doesn't get along with so-and-so. Right. Or like, auntie so-and-so does not fuck with cousin so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And that's just like what it is. And I think yeah. that, not that that is everything to be said about like why my family probably doesn't meet as often as we used to, but like we're all adults. Right. And I think that, and maybe this is like a good direction to go in right now with this family topic is that we're all adults who are responsible for ourselves and our, and ourselves alone. And like, if I don't have the money to get to whoever's house for a holiday or Mm -hmm. simply don't want to, because I don't feel comfortable there. Um, that's a decision that like I am now old enough to make, which then does sort of feed into this idea of like, okay, I have chosen family. I have my friends. I have family members who are part of my chosen family. Um, and then I have like my blood relatives that sure I was a lot closer with when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've sort of just been like, oh, like we're related in name and like name only. Like there's not really anything mm. that's been offered after a certain age that makes me feel as though I belong to this family. Yes. And that's honestly, that's what it is, right? It's about a sense of belonging. Who offers you a sense of belonging? And, you know, I don't, I think for my family, I don't necessarily need everyone to kind of like, it is it is ridiculous for me to expect every single person in my family to like have some sort of personal conversation with me around, around ways they may or may not have unintentionally harmed me, right? Like that is right. outrageous. What I can demand as an adult is that I am not going to spend time around people at all who like have no interest in knowing me. <laughs> like, like if you want me there as a placeholder, Set up my picture, bitch. Like, okay. like, I, like, look at it and think of it fondly and pretend that I am fulfilling that role there. I'm not going to show up anywhere in my adulthood in my ownership of self and be like, I don't know. I just, I don't think that's me. I, and like, oh, I feel so you. Yeah. It's like FaceTime think, me in, girl. I'll, I'll give you a cute little cameo. Hi, yeah. I'm alive yeah. <laughs> over yeah. here. And like, you know, there's a part of me that is even like holding some hesitation and speaking about certain relationships or my relationship to family, because I also hold up sometimes a fucked up hope that it's going to change. And I worry that speaking honestly about what's going on in my family of origin is like 
going to like make it more true or like cement it in the Mm -hmm. not good that it is right now. But like, I literally have not spoken to my parents in like six months, like longer than that, probably. And like outside of like a random text here or there, um, I saw my father because he helped my brother move and that it was weird. It was like, not good. It was weird. <laughs> like, yeah. and, um, and it sucks because that was so much of what I was working on in therapy. I was like literally having conversations with my therapist often, especially on weeks where I didn't have anything else come up. Like that was absolutely mm. the time when I would be like, well, if I have nothing else to think about, this is that core shit that uh, is hurtful. And like, um, around the grieving process really of like trying to go through grief for people who are not dead. It's a weird, and what it is, is grieving a relationship. It's grieving a type of accountability, a type of desire to know me. And I think when we are creating family and making choice for family, how do we offer and receive a sense of belonging? I think love can be a confusing word and concept for folks. So for me, it's about belonging. Who can I show up to maybe not i don't want to do this all the time but who can i go sit on someone's couch and like eat their cheese and like uh <laughs> fart. eat my cheese don't be farting <laughs> okay. in my house Mm-mm. okay i know that but you like, don't belong to this family <laughs> <laughs> but i'm saying if i did that you would have a conversation with me about how that was inappropriate but you still like me you know what i mean like, like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it's about like it's about yeah. being able to be you flaws and all and I don't mean accept me for my bullshit. I mean, let's talk right. about my bullshit if yeah. we have to. But at the end of the day, we we got each other. And, and like, you that know, is just that special. is so important. That is what the belonging piece is. Like, I will say for a good chunk of years, and I mean, similar to you, like there's some stuff I've processed, some stuff that I have not processed. So I think that as a, I don't know, disclaimer for the next three or four episodes, like we're going to touch on what we're willing to touch on. They're going to be things that we're not, and that's just <laughs> yeah. going to be what it is and y'all going to yeah. be okay. Um, but for me- We give you so much. <laughs> we give you so much. What else do you want from me? <laughs> we have to have boundaries. <laughs> um, for a very long time, when there was this sort of, um, I mean, there was like very much so the question of whether I was gay or not, like out in the family. And I, sure. being, you know, the little, <laughs> the mysterious little like twink that I was, was like, mm, not I'm not mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> the Timothy Chalamet of yeah. my family. Um, oh my I was God. like, I am just not going to say anything about this and y'all can keep guessing. And if you ask me, I'm just going to tell you no. Like just to, just to be a little shit. Um, sure. Because I remember my aunt, who's a lesbian, um, very much so came to me and was just like, hey, you know, it's okay. You can let me know. And I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. I was being absolutely ridiculous. But this was during a point in my life where I knew, A, my family couldn't accept me for who I was. So I was like, well, I'm not going to willingly give this to you so you guys can start acting weird about everything. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have you all second guessing yourselves so you don't know how to act. And then when I'm ready to tell you, then I'll be ready to tell you. And that's sort of what happened. Um, There was this weird just time in my life where like, I didn't really feel like I belonged to my family. My family wasn't actively pushing me away, but they also Mm -hmm. weren't actively like, you know, arms wide open, come in, like, it's all fine um, right. about it all. And then something happened. I don't know what, like, maybe four years ago, um, 
actually, I know what happened. My mother outed me, which was fine because at that point I didn't care. But like, she outed me to the family. People were pretty chill about it. And then I remember I showed up to my first like family outing. <clears throat> and they were like, hi, gay. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, and I was just myself. Like I was truly yeah. just like, whatever, I'm going to show up and be the little faggot that I am. Yeah. And nobody had anything to say about it. Nobody yeah. said anything negative to me about it. If anything, people were like, it was that thing where I was like, okay, stop. Like, don't ask me any questions. Like, don't be weird. Like, don't yeah. ask me if I'm a bottom or a top. Like, you don't need oh. to know that. Um, yeah, those sort of questions would pop up. Um, but like since then, now I've been able to show up and nobody questions it. I don't have to have a conversation about me being gay with anybody, um, which is just what I've always wanted, right? Like you want to be able to just show up and be who you are and not have people question it or like ask you why you are the way that you are. Right. Um, and that's what happened for me, but... I don't know. I feel like that belongingness piece did was not there for a really long time for me. And now it's there in the sense that, yes, I feel like I belong to this family because the same way my uncle can show up and be like drunk as hell, like 10 minutes into the festivities, I can show up and be as gay as I want to be, like, the second that I arrived. And I know I equated those, those are, I didn't mean to equate being gay with, like, a drunk uncle. What I meant is people are allowed to show up how they want to. Like, my mom wants to show up and baby me because, like, Mm -hmm. I'm her one and only and coddle me. Nobody is, like, getting on her about that. Right. And that may be, like, not an equation that you hold, but you recognize that in some of those spaces, they are internally holding those things at the same level. And so it's, like, Mm -hmm. speaking to that language versus your internal understanding of those things. Right. 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 Um, My family's done a lot of work, I must say. My family has done a lot. And I honestly sort of uh, commend my, my, (laughs) my lesbian aunt for this, but just around acceptance and acceptance of, of queer folks. And they're not there. They got a a long way to go, especially when it comes to understanding what it means to be trans. Um, But I just think their base understanding has improved tenfold since I was like 10 years old. Yeah. I love that. And I, I, I love the ways in which you tell me that your family offers you not perfection, but like a desire to do better, a desire to learn, you know, like, and, and so you continuing to show up and offer them that allows them that learning. And I think that that's something that I fear I'm not allowing my family is like, the opportunity to continue to learn and do better because like, I don't have the energy for it. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I mean? And like, and it's, it's different because I think um, the way that my family, not everyone, a lot of them have chosen to like be cool with me is like to just their version of being like accepting is like still speaking to me. And my version Mm -hmm. is like, ask me any question. (laughs) like like ask me anything about me and that not that's not like coming from this narcissistic place right it's like if i'm asking you a bunch of questions about you how are you doing how's your home and you can't return a single one of those as a family member of mine that tells me that you are afraid what my answer will contain gay content like that is what you're so afraid (laughs) of and so to avoid gay content you just choose to talk about anything that is not personal. Yeah. And like, um, I 
don't do that for anyone. <laughs> like mm-hmm. literally, if I can sense a relationship is only um, a relationship where non-personal things will be discussed, I won't text you back. <laughs> like I'm like, what's that's the point? Not, I, I just don't have an interest in it. Um, right. Well, then you and- just get into like. Um, then everything you're doing is just for for show for the look of it all it's just like i'm not i don't truly give a fuck about how you're doing i'm just like asking because i'm supposed to ask and literally you could die today and it wouldn't bother me like that's how i take those sort of oh i'll ask you about anything but yourself for real for real Right. And obviously there's a difference between like not tolerating that and not wanting that in your life. And then also not offering kindness. I'm not saying like you see those people and you're like, push them down the stairs or something, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not, or you key their car. I'm, I mean, unless they need it keyed, but I think <laughs> I'm just naming like, I'm, I can be cordial with a lot of people. Being cordial is so easy. I think that's the other thing. I'm like, you oh are treating God. this as yeah. so difficult. Being this level, surface level human, nice to other people is like literally one of the easiest things that you can do. It's but just honestly, like- it's so <laughs> difficult for me. I hate small talk. I hate yeah. like- I know, I know, I know. Mm, We're just doing this. But no, I get what you're saying. Like it's, I've been there before too, where I'm like, I, mean, I literally do not know why I'm being pushed to call- this person like and i mean no lie like my mother has called me and been like you need to talk to someone so in the family more and i've been like i do like mm-hmm. why aren't they talking to me That's well they're you're they're your so-and-so and blah 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 and it's just like okay and like this is what i was sort of alluding to earlier there is this give and take it's a two-way relationship yes i personally do not subscribe to any sort of assumption that because i am the child the son the grandson the great nephew whoever i don't subscribe to that meaning that i have to put in all the fucking work and effort and like go out of my Mm. way to call people and to like check in on them if they're not doing the same to me Mm -hmm. like i don't know where and this might be a slight rant that i'm going on but i don't know where this thing (laughs) cropped up and i don't even think it's a black thing i do think it's just across generations right mm-hmm. i don't know where this thing popped up that's like you as the youngest person in the family have to wait hand and foot on anybody that came like before you mm-hmm. and i think that for me it's not that there's an unwillingness to do so it's the expectation it's the entitlement to it it's that sure uh, and maybe we'll get into this when we talk a little bit more about family dynamics but it's this for me, it's this understanding that I was brought into this world without my consent. Like, I just appeared one day. Right. And now you're demanding things out of me. Now you're demanding yeah. that I call you, like, every other day. Now you're mm-hmm. demanding that, like, I have to go to XYZ reunion or show up for this or show up for that. It's like, I I just happen to belong. Like, I just happen to be a part of this family because, like, I was pushed out of XYZ vagina. Like, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't ask for that. Granted, there is still a respect. There is still sort of a gratefulness that, um, that I hold, like when it comes to like belonging to this, to the family that I belong to. And there's a lot of things that like, of course, like for my mother and for my grandmother and for people that have taken care of in my life, like, well, duh, I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of in these aspects. But for me, it's where the entitlement of you are just XYZ family member that like, I have maybe can probably count on one hand how many conversations we've had that probably weren't even 
conversations. They were more so me being talked at. Mm-hmm. That now there's an entitlement or sort of an expectation that I'm supposed to like uphold some grand legacy, some grand family tradition, because that's what you said. And I just happen to be the younger person in the conversation. That's the kind of stuff I don't subscribe to. And all of that was to say, whatever. (laughs) No, I get it. And I feel like the way that I, that makes my brain think is... Um, that is one of the cultural differences between myself and my family is, and it sounds like you too, in a similar way, is that like, you think the respect that I owe you is letting you do whatever you want to me and with me. Mm -hmm. When I think you deserve the respect as every other human on this planet deserves respect, which is like general kindness until I need to protect myself. And like, if you are disrespecting me, like not acknowledging who I am as a person, like to my face or whatever it is. Like that is when I don't value respect back in terms of being the better person or whatever, or like being obedient for obedience sake. Like that to me is not a value, cultural value I hold. Like I I think that it's something that like, um, I don't know. I, It is a reminder of the many reminders (laughs) that I get of just how culturally different I am from my family. And obviously that sounds like so weird to say as a white person. I get that that's like wild. And at the same time, it's not just me being a faggot. Like if that were it, I honestly think it would be easy. (laughs) Like, Like I think if that were just it, it would be easy. A lot of what the difference is, is around like how we come to the world Mm -hmm. and like, I think that people maybe are going to have years again this year of like, what does it mean to, do we see family that's not vaccinated? Uh, I think Adam talks about that next week a little bit is like, do we make these choices to not engage with people because of the way that they have responded to how the world is burning? (laughs) Like, like that is like, there's something that I don't know what to do with, which is like, this world is getting more and more divided and I am very divided from my family. And I, these folks that raised me, I don't understand how we are the same. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Um, besides looking a bit like you and having some characteristics of it like you. Yeah. And that's hard because I, I don't know how people make those choices. I think all choices are complicated. And like, I think folks are wanting a right answer. They want an approval for the way that they engage with their family of origin if that has been a rocky relationship everyone wants to be told by their therapist like that's right that is correct and there isn't like a right or correct way right it's like how do you stay protected in the moments that you need to stay protected and i mean you know there for me it's similar not the same but similar in the sense that i am growing like learning like constantly trying to become a better person trying to keep up with the times, not in like a keep up with the Joneses kind of way, like grass is always greener, but keep up with the times and like, all right, like that is something that used to not be problematic. Now it is. Let me get a minute understanding as to why. Cool. I get it. Let me like incorporate that into my being, into like Mm -hmm. who I am. And then at some point it just becomes that. Like it's not that I am trying to, I don't know. (laughs) Here's a funny example. I'm not trying to be anti-racist. I just am anti-racist. Like that's what it (laughs) is. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, But the same can be said a lot of times for 
at least for my family. Like sometimes I'm just like, I I don't have it today to like be your your window into like 2021. Like I don't right. know why you're still operating like it's 1982. Like nobody's doing that anymore. Like nobody yeah. does that. And I mean, that can be huge things like social social issues and social justice. It can be on for me like sometimes the really small things like applying for a fucking job. It's like, sure. yo, I don't. Yeah, you you could only apply. You only had to apply to three jobs when back in 1982 before you found something. <coughs> I have to apply to like 55 because everything is automated and everything's a machine. So I have to work twice as hard. Or yeah. things like inflation and just like what's going on with the economy right now. Like I luckily now work at a job where I feel as though like I can support myself and like live comfortably. But like how long did it take me to get there? No, like yeah. I didn't get there at age 24 like my parents did where they could suddenly yeah. have a kid at 27 and do this that and the third it's like that just happened for me at age like 32 so it's about identifying on those things it's also just about that understanding of we come from different eras from different generations and therefore there's just going to be some misunderstanding there's going to be some hiccups and some bumps in the roads when it comes to understanding one another um and like i said back in our um when we're talking about race, it means so much more to me if I see you trying and you at least like attempting yes. to get to see it from my point of view, because Lord knows, like I'm doing it for them. Like I haven't had a choice but to do it for like family. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, like, sure, I see it from your point of view, but do you see it from mine? And if the answer right. is no, or there's an unwillingness to, that's when for me, it's like, all right, danger zone. I don't know if you're somebody that I want to like continue having a conversation with because you're not even willing to like look at it from my perspective. And like the thing t about that too, is that it's not just this kind of like you against me. When you play the role in your family of like educator, you take on this as your opinion. And it's like, no, 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 I'm literally representing like millions of people. Like this is a school of thought. This isn't my idea. You know what I mean? Like, like you're thinking about it as mine because it's just not everyone else's in this room. Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's like, I think the interesting thing when there's not other people that share that with you within that group of people, it can feel like this like divide that deepens and yes, it's like, if you can't offer me any, if you can't throw me any bone, like, mm -hmm. okay, I just, this is exhausting. And everyone else takes a deep breath and says, you're right, y'all are exhausting. So, <laughs> um, but we have so many wonderful interviews coming up this month. Up next, we have Adam McDonald talking to us specifically about attachment um, and what that means clinically, as well as what it means amongst people and how do queer people come to that. Um, Adam's a therapist in Austin that I know, and I'm very, very excited for you to hear that interview. Um, but yeah, we'll be coming to you this month, spilling our beans, talking to other clinicians and uh, some different configurations of family to dissect this a little more. I'm excited. Me too. I feel like we we gave you guys a little bit, of, a, a little taste. Yeah. So we'll give you the full meal yeah. as the month goes on. Yeah, we decided to say things out loud that should have gone in our therapy notes, but you know, that's what happens. And that always that always <laughs> leads to great results. Um, Amen. Let's take a break and take meds. We're almost ready to come back again. Welcome back, welcome back. We taking some meds, we popping some pills, and this week 
we're going to put a little bit of a twist on Take Your Meds. We usually don't do this. We usually leave it wide open. Um, But I'm going to give us a little bit of a focus for our meds this week since we are talking about family. And honestly, I feel like during the work, we both went on a little bit of like a rant of like, what we don't like or like what's not working for us. Like I'll just call, I'll, I'll just call us out on that. So for men's this week, let's end on a positive note and say what we do enjoy about our families. And I will let us family is whatever you want to say family is. I'm not going to say about your, your origin, your family of origin, Mm -hmm. about your chosen family, any of it, just what do you enjoy? I'll go first actually, because Maddie, you always go first. Um, I'll choose my family of origin. One thing I enjoy about them is they are all clowns in like the (laughs) funniest way imaginable. If there's one thing that runs in my family, it is like a sense of humor. And I mean, I've heard corny jokes. I've heard dad jokes. I've heard some dark shit. Like I've heard like just like runs the gamut of jokes in our family. Everybody in my family knows how to tell a joke and they know how to tell a story and they know how to make people laugh. Um, And I like to think that my sense of humor comes from, from my amazing aunts, uncles, my mom, uh, my stepdad, my biological dad, when he was alive, like every single person in my family can make you laugh one way in one way or another. There's been so many times where I've been in like a pissy mood and they've just like said something and I'm just like, I found myself just like cheesing so hard. I'm just like, I fucking hate these people. Yeah. Like, I want to hate them so <laughs> bad right now. And I can't even. Yeah. Um, that's mine. What do you got? I love that. Um, mine is actually sort of connected. Um, but I would not call my family hilarious. But what I would okay. say is that we have a connecting laugh style. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I, do um, you? So like, I feel like... Especially mine and my brother's laugh is like Y'all a do. combination oh of my, my mother and father's laugh. And I love that my brother and I, I just remember some cousins would be like, y'all families laugh weird. And we do. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, we would get shit on for how we laugh. And um, it's honestly something that like I used to be so embarrassed about. And then in my adulthood, I'm like, this is something super endearing about me. And I laugh wild and that's fine um but i love that my sibling and i share that and can uh i'll be like that's my brother and then five minutes into a conversation someone hears him laugh and they're like oh my god (laughs) and like i enjoy that you can Um, never deny steven being related to you right in any world i feel like (laughs) both like seeing y'all stand next to each other i'm just like oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then the laugh like honestly until you brought it up just now, i'm like oh my god the laugh yeah, yeah that's that's the tie what's um, um what's what's your sister's laugh like uh loud too and i don't spend enough a, a time around it to like it doesn't sound exactly like steven and i but it is there is a certain cackle like it is okay. like this level of laughter that our family reaches to that is like it just it's fun it's a fun yeah the laugh itself is endearing um but i i think outside of that which i share with my siblings i think um with um especially especially like my um friend jordan she and i can like full telepathy like i will (laughs) like literally be like oh I wonder how Jordan's doing and you get a text like five seconds later. And that is she like, just text you okay. right now. Didn't she? <laughs> oh my God. That would honestly, if that happened, I would like scream. It, 
I, I that would actually scare me but like <laughs> but um there is this um level of like linked mindedness that transcends conversation and just like being seen in the room there's something like transcendental about my relationship with her especially but there are other people in my family group that i just like am constantly surprised by their efforts of connection and love when like it is not even something i'm expecting yeah. it's like it's not a transactional thing i get like surprised by being and feeling loved and it's like oh that's so cool. Like we do that because our families didn't do it. And that's why I love all of us together. Aww. But like, it's so good. I love it so much. Um, do we have any homework? <laughs> I started cheesing. First of all, I know, look at you. You were so happy with that. That was cute. Um, no, we don't have homework, which you're going to stop asking me for every week. Listeners, y'all should be mad at Maddie. He's, or they are trying to give you homework on weeks that you don't even... I think Allie can also just cut this out if she wants. No, leave it in here because I want y'all to listen to Maddie doing y'all dirty. No, listen, there's plenty of stuff also that we say (laughs) transitionally while we're recording. Like, it's just a question. I'm not trying to, like, call you out. I'm not saying, like, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, teacher. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Please. You forgot to assign it. And I was... Free Maddie tonight, was so definitely a teacher's pet out here. Like, uh-huh. I'll do some homework. I have, more, I have homework for you then, Maddie. The amount of time that I got, <laughs> this bitch is a clown. I'm written on my report card. Like, no. Literally just a clown emoji before it even existed. Truly, like, <laughs> this bitch won't shut up. <laughs> and, like, my, and then like, they'd be like, um, my mom really having to have conversations with me about, like, why can't you? I'm like I'm mentally ill, bitch. <laughs> that is a why. Like I'm asking, take me to a doctor. Like <laughs> literal further proof that like if we had known each other in high school, one point no, was not absolutely friends. being friends. No, we would have. Oh, that's because I think I think that I was also that girl in class that would not shut up, and oh, like yeah. my mom constantly would. Differences, my mom would be like, okay, but like. Does he have A's? And they'd be like, yeah, but he's disrupting the other students. And she'd be like, I don't care. Like, he's doing fine. All right, then. Stop calling me in the middle of the work day. And I'd be like, they used to be like, we're going to call your mother. And I'd be like, call her. She's going to be mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What are the grades like? Uh, Then why do I care? Then why do I care? (laughs) Well, the other students, I don't care about them. That's not about that. (laughs) Who cares? So real. That's my response. That was truly the situation, too, of just being like, but I feel like I only held some surprise because it's like closet cases, you never know. Either closet cases are like best friends or bitter enemies. <laughs> you know? You're right. We, we definitely could have been bitter enemies. Just yelling back and forth. Well, who do you be talking about? Were you smoking weed in high school, though? I, was, I didn't smoke weed till I was like 23. Okay. Yeah. I didn't Share do any illicit <laughs> substances until I was like 23. Yes. Okay. Share your um, experiences with illicit substances before the age of 23 at... <laughs> At qbgpodcast.gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 971-220-8874. We want to hear your thoughts about family this month. Family, what does it mean to you? How are you feeling about it? What do you want to hear us talk about? Um, you can DM us and follow us at QBTPod on Instagram and Twitter. It literally is like the easiest thing you can actually do. Literally. Literally. Yeah. It's the easiest. Literally. 
by sharing us, uh, sharing our content, t- telling other people about us, that is the easiest way to support us. We haven't asked you for money once. Like, not uh, not once. And you know I could. We I could. could. We might soon. Um, we actually, we might. <laughs> subscribe and share. Thank you to Marky and Josh Darling for letting us use their music. And big, big, big thanks for Ali Kiltz for helping us stay on topic and moving the fuck on. And uh, thank you, Carlos and Kiana, for our digital footprint. We love you. We love you so much. We, we love, love you. all of you. Yeah. Um, I really loved Barney as a kid, like hard, hard. I love you. Should we sing it on the way out? Nope. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>